0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and with me today is nobody. It's just us this week. It's been so long. Hello, how are you? So since May joined the podcast, we've had a lot of fun, and we've been, like, sort of answering questions and having these great conversations, and I love that. But I sort of missed just talking at you folks because it's kind of therapeutic for me and I don't know, it's, it's nice. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. We're going to, we're going to try something out. Actually, I'm thinking we're going to do like every other week, uh, it's just me And then the week after that is me and May. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how long that if it happens or if I if we stick to it, it's just sort of we're we're both very uh, flighty broads. You know, we sort of just follow the whim of whatever wind catches our sails. Is that is that too many metaphors mixed into one? (laughs) Anyway, you know, this podcast started as a way to, like, document my transition and I don't want to lose that. I want to keep up that strain of thought. So here we are. We're back to just you and me, just us, just getting close, just cuddling up together. And we're gonna we're gonna have us a little chat, a little fireside chat. I'm not by a fire, but you might be. I don't know. But who knows? <laughs> So what have I been up to since last we discussed our lives together? Why is that the way I put that? What have I been up to since the last time I spoke to you extemporaneously about my life by myself? Well, I guess one thing that's neat on its own is that I'm not by myself anymore. Uh, I have a girlfriend now. That's pretty neat. That's pretty cool. That's kind of chill. I think is is a good. It's a good little. It's a good life development. I think. <laughs> I don't want to say too much more because TB quite H. Uh, it's none else fucking business, and you should stop asking. Why am I being so hostile? Like I just... Didn't... What am I doing? Why am I being so mean to you? I'm so sorry. But Yeah, I mean that's good. That's a nice life thing to have happened. I feel really good. It's nice to have somebody that you can just sort of talk to a lot about stuff. Just sort of message and be like, hey, by the way, I love you. And for them to respond with, oh, hey, that's nice. I, too, also love you. And then you send each other little hearts and it's real cute and gay. And you're like, wow, when the fuck did I get so god danged?" Gross and cute. What's this development? Ugh. I believe this is something that was discussed on the podcast in the past of like the idea of being happy is like a gross thing that that like deluded people do as depicted in like stand up comedy. Like, hey, maybe actually happiness is nice and misery is sort of bad. I don't know. Is that a controversial take? Is that a hot take? Am I like kicking down doors? Is this is this me sort of selling you a bill of goods that you don't want? Don't, y'all, maybe it's just OK to be happy sometimes. I'm still like sad a lot of the times. So I'm not losing my brand identity in that way. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just nice. It's nice to not be on my own in this dumb little journey that is life you know it's good it's a good it's a it's a good time i think moving on from that my life has been sort of a weird wild roller coaster of a time i mean obviously if you've listened to the previous episode you know that i was on the h-bomb nightmare stream and i got to talk to a bunch of cool people and i've made like all these connections uh, it's been weird since then, there have been a couple of videos that have come out that have referenced me, like saying, oh, this video influenced me in some way. And it's like my name that they are saying that's kind of wild, uh, wh- I I had I had like 800 subscribers on YouTube uh like 6 months ago if that and then just sort of over the course of 2 weeks it gained like 7000 now I'm up to almost 9000 subscribers I imagine uh, by the time this, this episode comes out, actually, hopefully, I will have released my video about the politics of the McElroy brothers. And I have a sneaking suspicion that that video is going to push me over 9,000. I mean, I'm only like two, 250 away from there. So uh, it did goddamn well better, right? And uh, I, I've, I'm going to do like a live stream after that. I've kind of, I was I did a lot of live streams recently because they're fun and enjoyable and it's nice to chill out in the chat there and just talk to people. But it was kind of eating up a lot of my time. The last couple of weeks have been really unproductive for me and sort of I've just been trapped in this like ennui. I don't know. But my GF is really good at sort of talking me out of these funks. And uh, she's sort of walked me through like why I've been in a shitty place and helped me come up with some good coping mechanisms for actually getting shit done. What a, what a concept, like having some semblance of a schedule and or a list, like a to-do list and limiting the things that are in the spaces where I am. One thing I've started doing is turning my phone off at night and plugging it into charge on the other side of the room. My bed is now in no-phone zone, which I have never had the discipline to do before, and it's weird. I am so used to just having constant thoughts of like, ooh, I should tweet that. Ooh, I should, I should message my GF with that. Funny little comments. Post this on my Discord, which I have now. And it's like, you can't. I can't do that right now because I am working or I am in bed. Uh, And then I just have to write it down or let that idea just die. It's weird. It's a weird sort of thing to do. It's like what people used to be like. Is this what life was like back in the day? Ugh, I hate it, but it's helping me be more productive. So I guess it doesn't matter whether I hate it or not. But yeah, I mean, I posted a selfie yesterday and it has over 200 likes. Now, which is the sort of thing that happens when you have some kind of following as a trans woman on, on, the, on Twitter, I'm not used to being one of those. People put weight on the words that I say. I, it's a it's a weird place to suddenly be. Uh, I'm not complaining by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just it's it's odd to find myself in this spot. Uh, This podcast, actually, uh, in, I want to say in October or November, it passed 10,000 total downloads, uh, which put it, like, basically at a full calendar year of 10,000 total downloads, which is a really impressive number for a podcast that does absolutely no advertising. Uh, Well, in January of this year, it passed 20,000 total downloads in just like three months. Uh, That's pretty fucking crazy. Sorry. That's pretty fucking wild. Obviously may coming onto the show has a lot to do with that, but I mean, it's not a coincidence that it coincides with sort of my own sort of rising star that it's, it's here's a fun little digression. You feel like you have to put forward this modesty, right? Like, of course, I don't deserve any of the success that I have or, uh, you know, oh, well, hopefully it persists or I haven't earned it or whatever. But realistically, as like a person who's trying to make this my living, I am making plans and designing my production schedule around, like, maximizing growth and working to sort of reliably increase my income from this. And it's, you know, it's weird to be at a point where I can sort of plan. uh, Like, I would have to drop the ball pretty hard, I think, at this point to not, at the very least, double my Patreon earnings by the end of the year. And I think I have reason to believe that it's possible to do that much sooner. It would certainly be nice. I would certainly like to be 100% living off of my various income sources without having to worry all the time, you know? But you feel kind of dirty talking about that. You feel like you're breaking some kind of law. Like, oh no, I'm not supposed to talk about the money side of things because I'm supposed to be doing this because I love it. Because doing something for money and doing something for love, they're two they're they're mutually exclusive. They're you're not allowed to have one and plus the other. Like if you're doing something and you're like trying to make money off of it, that makes you a sellout. But like fuck that. Y'all fuck that idea because artists also still have to pay the bills and that shit ain't like pedestrian or below the dignity of an artist. That's just what it's like to be alive in a capitalist society, which I think we all know that we live in one. So fuck that. Uh, Thank you for supporting me, by the way. It's exciting right now to be me because things are popping off right quick and it's a good thing that this is happening now that I am graduated from college finally so that I don't have to worry so much about the future as much as I have been for the entire rest of my life. It's good. It's been, you know, it's been a good few months for your, your old pal, Sarah. So I guess right now I'm going to talk about HRT because we haven't really talked about HRT in a while. You know, it's good to, uh, it's good to have uh, some check-ins, some, some updates about how my body is going, what with the new hormones and all. Uh, so as of today, actually, kind of coincidentally, I have been on HRT for eight months. And I counted three times because I cannot believe it has been eight months that I've been on HRT. That's fucking weird. What the hell? Time just goes, doesn't it? Oof. So first off, I guess let's get the salacious bit, the stuff that y'all are out there, like rubbing your hands together, twirling your mustaches that you probably don't have, statistically speaking, you know, thinking like, ooh, what's the, what's the boob situation? Oh, I just blew out the audio real hard there. Sorry about that. I ain't fixing that shit. Go to hell. What's the boob situation? Welcome. Uh, my name is Sarah and you're watching the boob situation now on the O network anyway so the boob situation is good is the short answer uh, it's they're, they're the harvest is coming right along um, my bust as of November 14th was 39.5 inches as of February 6th it is at 41 inches and I think when I started, it was at like 40, so or uh 38, 39. I can't remember what it was. I think it was 39. So yeah, you know, coming along, coming along. They are feeling ever more present, you know. When I'm laying on my back, they are there, you know, you can sort of feel them. There's like a a distinct lump of flesh there where you touch them and you're like, oh yeah, that's like that's the boob part. That's the distinct boob there, which is nice. It's nice to have that. <laughs> uh, come on, come on, audio, quit, quit blowing out. I'm far away from the mic. Ugh, y'all, audio's bullshit. I mean, they're still sort of weirdly shaped, They're kind of like a conical, sort of like weird, like th- I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a it's they're very clearly in progress. But uh so far it's you know promising i guess nice uh nice boobs me there you go that's the boob situation <laughs> uh other things other things my um my hips have gotten bigger here's a fun thing so i was talking to my gf the other day and she made a fun comment where she said that uh she she asked me like Oh, so, you know, I went, I went, you know, down a a shoe size. Uh, Also, have you gotten shorter? And I said, I'm sorry. Uh, what, uh, What? And she said, yeah, you've probably gotten shorter. So I stood up and I measured myself and I sort of gaped. And then I like literally went up against a wall, you know, child style and put a pencil on the top of my head. Stood up as, as tall as my, my good old back could get me. And I rubbed a, that pencil all over the wall. And I took a tape measure and measured depth of that mark. And I was fucking... I'm, 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 six feet, I'm six foot tall. I've been one for as long as I can remember at this point. I just lost an inch in height at some point. Uh... 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 uh What? God, I can't get too enthusiastic or I'll blow the mic out. (laughs) Ah! Anyway, I lost an inch in height. Apparently, HRT does fun things to your bones, which I know that I mentioned this in previous episodes, but it's a different thing to experience it for yourself and certain bone related things i did not know about apparently so yeah your hips rotate or your, your pelvis sort of rotates i don't know uh, ever so slightly so you actually lose an inch and your gait changes uh, not like the the gate the, like not like a gate where you open it up and you let the the sheep out to pasture like the gait of your legs like g a i t you knew what i was talking about anyway your gait changes you know and so you you lose height a bit uh so that's happened to me. I'm a little bit shorter and my walk is slightly different. Uh th- that's pretty neat, I would say. So I've been epilating my arms for many, many months now and I've been epilating my my uh my chest and sort of abdomen area for not quite as long, but still a few months. And so my arms when they are when I let them grow, the hair on my arms is more or less like vellus, just kind of not there. My um, uh, uh, my chest and everything is still fairly dark, especially like at my sternum, and sort of radiating out from there. But everywhere else is definitely coming in thinner. Uh, the hair on my back is significantly thinner, so it's uh, it's it's exciting. It's it's really cool to see my hair situation sort of getting better. A lot of the stuff that was causing me dysphoria before is now on its way out the gosh-danged window, which is good. I've started taking a whole heap and helping of vitamins, Uh, just just a whole slathering mountain of vital minerals. Is that what vitamin is a is a, is like a, a, a portmanteau of portmanteau sorry uh speaking of toes though uh the vitamins i'm taking are doing truly wondrous things to my toenails which is nice because they were always very gross because i was just not a gross I was, I was i was a very gross person before didn't take care of myself so my toenails are like you can see there's just like a hard line <laughs> from before like my my toenails are like tree rings growing out and you can see the part where they're suddenly healthy and like getting all the nutrients they need and the part where they were sort of just brittle and dead and gross and 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 awful so that's cool that's good it's good to see it's good to have nice fingernails so the vitamins that i'm taking i'm currently taking um biotin and uh, uh, prenatal vitamins and omega-3 vitamins in combination with my HRT. And this is sort of the recommended cocktail that is helpful for hair growth and rejuvenation. I also have shampoo and conditioner that's just loaded up with biotin. I have no idea if that's like helpful, but I have it, you know? And uh, I've also been slathering on some uh, iodine on my thinning hair zones, uh, as per the suggestion of May, because apparently that helps. Uh, because a lot of the uh, thinning hair is the result of a salt deficiency or an iodine deficiency, so you want to like also increase the presence of iodized salt in your diet, I suppose. Which is sort of a thing that one ought to do anyway when they are on h r t because you're 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 peeing a lot more at least if you're on spiro as I am, so you're generally running low on saline as is, so it, it, you know you got the double benefit of helping out your thinning hair if that's a thing you got like I do, so on that note, my hair on my head is ever so slowly just coming in it's um thicker, I say with a little upturned question mark at the end of that particular sentence, because it, you know, it's still a cause of dysphoria for me. It's one of the big ones. I am frustrated by my, my hairline. Not sure how I'm going to deal with that in the future, but such is life, I suppose. Uh, But it is coming in a little bit thicker as time goes on. And the hair on my head is, um, um, you know, longer. I've let it grow out a lot more. And uh, I'm getting a lot more comfortable with my hair as is. I don't feel the need to wear, like, a hat all of the time, which is good. I think that's a good thing. It's nice. Speaking of which, facial hair. So I only just got back on laser hair removal, uh, like, last month after taking two months away due to money. And I was able to start again, thanks to folks donating to a, uh, a GoFundMe that I started during the H-Bomb nightmare stream. And I raised, I I surpassed my goal like twice real fast, which is pretty danged incredible. So I've had one session and it was like, it it was a little while ago. Uh, my next one's actually coming up next week, which is fun. So the results of that last session were sort of, um, I mean, it's, it's always hard to really compare. So I took pictures of myself right before that session when I had like just shaved. So before next session, I'm going to do the same thing. And uh, from now on, that's going to be how I sort of compare notes to see if I really have Then losing facial hair, Uh, as always, it seems like my mustache is thinning much faster and it's sort of like the center of my chin towards the front is thinning out really fast and like there's a nice area that's just completely dead right under my chin. A lot of my lower neck is taking a big hit and my cheeks are sort of down, Uh, but there's a lot more lighter hair on my cheeks. As opposed to the dark stuff that's sort of in the center. Because I have, I guess, some sort of Irish-Scottish lineage. It's like fairly red hair that uh, is resisting the laser's call. And I don't say the Irish-Scottish thing as if, like, just sort of assuming because of red hair. I say that because I actually was kind of looking into it recently. But yeah, the the laser is coming along smooth, it seems like. I guess we'll see I have three more sessions on this package, which coincides rather conveniently with the, the the period at which my lease runs out, and I will either have to re-up here or find somewhere else to live, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to do the latter. That seems like the safer bet at this point, point. and I'm in the process of figuring out where the heck I'm going to go. Uh, I might be moving up to the city. I might be sticking around where I am. I, the, uh, Texas is on the table, but I don't know. Texas is, I have a, I have a long storied kind of shitty history with Texas. I don't know how excited I am to return, but then again, you know, who knows how the winds of fate will blow, Right. Who can say, who among us knows what tomorrow holds? Not I, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) If I do move up to the city, though, that would be super convenient because there's like a much better laser place that has like better reputation, I guess, that I could go to. Besides also like it would be nice to be uh, right near the, uh, 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 the the clinic where I get my HRT so I don't have to go all the way up there to get my checkup. I actually got to do that fairly soon, get my blood work done and get my prescriptions re-upped and uh, maybe talk to my, uh, uh, my endocrinologist to see about progesterone, which I am 100% certain she'll be like, not, nope. Nah, 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 no progesterone for you. That's illegal, which fair enough, I guess, I suppose. Uh, I also got to figure out what to, to do about like paying for my meds because they is expensive and I no longer have student insurance. So um, Carter Manier actually turned me on to the fact that there's a website that you go to that gives you coupons for medic- medicines, which is pretty dang wild. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing. So yeah, I'm probably going to do that until I can make enough money to actually get like insurance or I just won't get insurance because the, you know, there's some incentive to get the heck on. There's some incentive to get the heck on out of Oklahoma. We don't have uh Medicare slash Medicaid here. That's very good. Like it's uh, the Medicare for all expansion, um, Medicaid. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I can't remember the difference between the two. I know there is one. Uh, uh, the whatever, whatever it was that expanded it during um, the afford- with the Affordable Care Act. Oklahoma is one of the states that did not ratify that particular amendment because you know the Affordable Care Act was toothless, and the idea of the GOP sort of <laughs> harping on that as like this. Massive liberal conspiratorial reform is just so utterly bafflingly laughable, considering that it basically goes out of its way to make sure that insurance companies still exist, uh, which they shouldn't. That's immoral and bad, and they should go. And the people who make a lot of money uh, at insurance companies, they should probably they should probably get the boot. I think. Uh, since we're on a little tear here, abolish prisons. Let out let out the prisoners. Create like a reform. Dang it. You know? Uh do, do let's let's maybe not have like 1% of the American population in prison. Maybe that's a bad thing. Anyway, let's move on from that. So I want to talk for a bit about self-sabotage. Uh to an extent. I don't know if that's actually what, what it is that I want to talk about. So one of the things that's been a recurring theme for me lately is the ways that we destroy ourselves for other people. So the way that like, you know, you'll sarcastically say like, Oh, you know, I'm just an idiot or, uh, well, of course I like that. I'm a nerd. I don't know. There's better, more extreme examples. I'm just coming up with those off the top of my head. Cause it didn't prepare, but you know what I'm saying, the sort of like sarcastic postmodern thing that we do to ourselves where we're constantly deconstructing everything that we say because we are afraid of how it will be received in public or by our friends or family or whatever. And, you know, you think at a certain point you sort of get this. Uh, I certainly did. But I've been reflecting on something. One of the features about myself that I have been generally fairly proud of is my ability to take criticism. Uh, I, I wrote fan fiction for a really long time when I was much, much younger, and I've always held that that sort of gave me a thick skin and gotten rid of my feeling that I need to be precious about my work. So I'm very good at like hearing what people are saying and parsing how much of that is Legitimate criticism versus them thinking of what they would do if they were making the thing that I was making, you know? And there is a difference there. Because, you know, not all things are for all people. It's all like, it's all a weird mess there. Not everybody has the same approach. You can think somebody else's approach is wrong or bad, but then they get, you know, a million, million dollars doing that thing. And you're like, well, fuck. So I don't know, everybody's got their different approach. But I realize that this ability of mine to take criticism has kind of a, a a downside, kind of a nefarious side, really, which is that well one of one of the worst things about myself that I've been unpacking lately is the fact that I don't know how many of the things that I love are things that I love for my own reasons versus things that I sort of accepted and embraced because they were the things that my friends loved and that I just wanted to fit in with them on some level. And that's not... Super great. That's actually pretty unfucking healthy, actually, if you think about it. And of course, it all comes back to this sort of like compulsory cisgender identity that we all assume and the ways that we as trans people have to modify ourselves to feel like we're a part of a group. Like there's an expected series of behaviors and things. I talked a long time ago on this podcast about like feeling guilty for liking stuff like Sailor Moon. And uh, it's, it's like that, you know, there's the girl things and the boy things, you, you tailor yourself based on expectations, despite what you want, like what you actually care about for yourself, because it feels like other people are always more important than you, right? Well, that's sort of what I realized recently is that my ability to take criticism kind of calmly actually is a part of that process for me. It's part of the process of putting myself together in a way that is socially acceptable for other people that isn't necessarily how I would be for myself. So I don't want to come down on this too hard because there have been a number of times when I've been corrected on like generally kind of vaguely racist, sexist, homophobic, sort of ableist things that I'll say or do. And I always want, and I think everybody should always want to be open to that kind of criticism and willing to accept it and like listen to what people are saying. Because the stuff that we say and do often has unintended and unforeseeable, or at least for those of us with the privilege to not have to see it all the time, consequences, you know? And it's important that... People have the ability to to, uh, confront us and criticize us for the mistakes that we make, and we should listen and learn, right? But I think that we also tend to assume that other people know what they're talking about, and that when they criticize us, they're doing so with some sort of complete knowledge that we lack. So I've realized that when people have opinions that are different from mine, With 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 a very very few exceptions, I almost always capitulate. Where I say like, "Oh yeah, that's fair," and I stop and I sort of reconsider my stance or my feeling on something, and I do this kind of regardless of who is speaking or what kind of authority they may actually have, and the result is that I kind of just accept everything that people say. I don't tend to ask questions. I don't tend to, like, stand up for myself. I just sort of let conversations happen. And that's not great, I think. It's important to have things that you care about and are willing to stand up for. So one of the videos that I'm working on right now is about why you should read Homestuck. And it kind of falls along the lines of also like my obsession with Lost and my desire to get more people to watch Lost. And with both of these, there's like a guilt associated with liking them, where there's like this broader kind of pop cultural, quote unquote, knowledge that these are things for weird people and or they are just objectively bad. And the people who like them are just kind of like eccentrics who don't actually legitimately like the thing. They're just doing it for dot, dot, dot reasons. And so any conversation that I have with somebody where I'm trying to convince them to engage in this thing that I really love, I feel like I have to acknowledge this sort of cultural baggage that comes with that thing and sort of say, yes, this is a problem. And yes, that's a thing. And here are all of these asterisks attached to liking this thing. And then we get to the part where I say, but anyway, you should still watch it, which like is not a great way to convince somebody to watch a thing where like, if it's the case of Homestuck, the first thing you say is like, yeah, it's 8,000 pages, comma, but you don't start with that. You don't start with that. That's bad. But the point is that I feel this need to capitulate to the expectation on another person's part that this thing is objectively some way that they actually have no way of knowing. Like a person who has never read Homestuck who has the expectation that it's just bad or not for them has absolutely no ground to stand on as to whether or not that's true. Whereas I, as a person who has read it and is working through their second reread, uh, it's like, of course... You know, I I have reasons for liking it, but I am the one who feels like I have to defend my stance as opposed to somebody who has not read it, who feels 100 percent certain in the fact that they that it's not for them and that they don't have to. And obviously they don't have to. And maybe it isn't for them. But there's a hostility implied in that interaction that makes you as the person who likes the thing, who has any sort of knowledge about what the thing actually is about and like what makes it good, that it makes you feel guilty for even sticking up for yourself. And I feel like that attitude is sort of true in a lot of conversations, at least for me, where I hesitate when I legitimately like a thing. And I am always ready to throw my enthusiasm under the bus for the sake of other people. And I feel like I shouldn't have to explain why that's bad. Because so much of like being a closeted trans person is not accepting who you are and molding yourself around what the expectation of you is. And it's important when you're coming out to like build up your own identity and everything but it's easy to forget that, that, that this this is these are all things that have their grubby little fingers in every aspect of how you experience the world and that includes the kind of media that you like and so as i'm transitioning i'm realizing there's so many things that i love unironically that i have this knee-jerk reaction to think like, oh no, of course I don't. Of course I don't actually like this. But like, why? You know, why really? Why, why do I feel this urge to, again, capitulate to an expectation of me from other people that I will never meet and never talk to and who have absolutely no power over me? You know, I'm re-watching Steven Universe right now and... Steven is just such a schmaltzy character who just, he just loves people and he loves romance and he just wants the best for everybody. And I identify so much with that boy. I love him to death, even though I am Peridot. Uh, Actually, if I were anybody in Steven universe, I would be whatever the hypothetical fusion of Peridot and Lapis is. But Still, like a lot of Steven's attitudes are things that I deeply identify with. And it's what's so nice about him as a character is that he's not shamed for liking quote unquote girly things and for being enthusiastic about love and caring. I mean, that's sort of the entire dang point of the show. But I think that's really important to internalize and really hard to kind of wrap your brain around as an individual that you're allowed to like things for your own reasons and you don't have to defend that with other people. And again, I think you should be willing to hear what other people have to say about it, but you're under no obligation to fit your interests into a mold set by people you've never met and who you will never talk to. You're allowed to like what you like even if it's problematic. Like there are no courts for this. No one is going to judge you on this. Now obviously there are limits. There are certain things like it it's if if you're somebody who says I still really really like the television show Louie uh, which is Louis CK's show I think that there is some kind of side-eye skepticism that is warranted there. Because it's, for me, as somebody who used to love that show, it's gotten a lot harder to to like it. Uh, impossible, actually. What with all of the endless accusations that have come out against him. Not to mention his, like... A uh, uh, return to the public eye with this god awful comedy set, where he's just like, "Oh, these kids today! blah, blah these non-binary was the fart sneeze die, fuck them! You know, fuck that guy." So you know, there, are there, limits, I think, but you also shouldn't. Uh, what you like isn't logical. Now you feel isn't logical. We are not logical beings. We are emotional beings. And our desire to constantly put everything about us into a categorical box, to like quantify every aspect of who we are in like a an objective sense, that's destructive, that annihilates everything about us that is human. And it's feeding into this sort of like capitalist expectation that you know everything every individual component that makes it up a person can be commodified and every problem that you have can be solved with a product if i may be so bold i think that that is bullshit and we <sighs> never be afraid to interrogate why you like something and never be afraid to grow and change as a person or admit when you're wrong or unsure, but also never be afraid to have enthusiasm. Never let anybody tell you that you're bad or annoying for, for being enthusiastic about something like you're, it's, 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 it's beautiful to like things for your own reasons. And the hardest thing for me right now is like, learning to stick up for myself for when I have disagreements. So part of what pushed this realization forward for me is there have been several conversations that I've had with May where I, I I disagreed with her on some things, and I didn't bring it up because I sort of assume that she knows what she's talking about better than I do. And the difficult thing for me to kind of recognize in myself is that we are on equal ground. You know, we each have our own set of experiences and expertise and we're different people and that's okay. Like a good friendship isn't one where you sort of like feel obligated to blindly agree with the person you're friends with. And to be clear, I don't feel that with May. The issue is that this is a reiteration of a problem that goes from her to every other friend I've had for the last 15 years. It's the thing where I change myself to fit with the people that I'm around, that I want to be a part of. And at the center of that action is the fact that I'm not really sure who I am. You know, I'm still figuring that out. I'm still piecing together myself because I've, my my entire adult life, I've basically just put myself together based on other people. I know I've covered this ground exhaustively in other places, but that's sort of where I am. You know, I want to feel safe in disagreement. I want to feel like my voice is is valuable. And I know that May and all of my other friends now value my voice and they want me to disagree with them they want all of us to have a conversation like normal goddamn adults do but it's really easy to train yourself into capitulating to other people's expectations and they might not even be actual expectations they have they might just be you projecting you observing how other people behave and internalizing that you know being a chameleon so that's where i am right now i'm in this sort of in-between space, just piecing things together, still sort of recovering from my years in the closet. And so that's that's the update from Sarah World. That's where I've been. And as far as you guys out there, I hope that you're doing okay and that you're finding your own self. As always, it's okay to have doubts and to be unsure and to be conflicted. It's okay to not know where you stand or be in the middle of trying to figure out where you even could stand. There are no rules. There are no guidelines. There's nothing, there's no enforcement body that's out there like gonna beat your, beat your door down and arrest you for not fitting in a certain way, at least not yet in this country. You're allowed to figure it out at your own pace. And that's a messy, complicated process, but it's worth it. It's always worth it. Wow, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. So I'm recording this a little bit later than I recorded the rest of this episode. I just want to announce that the show's going to go on a short hiatus, two, three weeks maybe. I know, given the release schedule that we've had lately, that's probably just about normal. The short of it is that the podcast is labor-intensive at a time when I need to be working on other things, and worrying about it alongside all of those things is kind of detracting from my pool of mental resources, I guess you could say. I'm sort of right in the middle of figuring out how to restructure my daily schedule so that I can actually be productive in the long term, because this is my career and I got to treat it like a fucking job. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be recording new episodes, building up a bit of a backlog. I've got some guests lined up. I'm going to talk to me some more we're gonna have a great time and then when the show starts up you'll have a consistent release schedule again hooray Uh, in the meantime if you like what i do and you want to support me in making more why not go to patreon.com slash ltas and give as little as a dollar a month you can also check out my youtube show let's talk about stuff right now i'm working on a video about the politics of the mcelroy brothers i've also got a video there called a video about transitioning which is a psycho drama about transitioning that is very heavy i imagine most of you listening have already seen it but if you haven't go check it out it's a good the podcast <laughs> the podcast has a guest role in the video as an evil entity so yeah that's good i guess if you've got questions thoughts comments etc send me an email at transquestioningpodcast@gmail.com or send an anonymous message at curiouscat.me slash transquestioning. The cover art is by Emily Bumgarner. The music is by Zoestra. You can find me on Twitter at HMSNoFun or for just updates about the podcast, TransQ Podcast. Thank you as always for listening and I will see you again eventually in the future with more, better, faster, stronger, beefier content. (laughs) Bye!